sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The feeling of the species is more deadly than a male. Only a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. The female of the species is more deadly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed exclusively by women-identified directors who prove that the female of the species is more deadly than male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my podcasting. <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I don't uh, know. I don't even know. Where are we going with this? <laughs> Nowhere. Joining me today is Ariel. Hi. <laughs> I was trying to come up with like crime syndicate or something. Like it just wasn't coming together. I'm just going to put this out here right from the front, like jump. I'm brain dead today. Which sucks because we're talking about a movie that I have been dying to talk about for over two years that is so rich with metaphor and message and theme <laughs> and performance and yada, yada, yada. And I am just basically just a bump on a log. Today. It's been a long week, guys. <laughs> Bear with us. We're going to try our best. But think, speaking of things that do actually get me hype. Did yeah. You, did you... uh? Get a load of that new theme music. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot we were announcing that today. Yes. I am so excited. Me, too. So, you, since you're here and oh, you yeah. have ears, heard it. <laughs> you have heard it. You have heard our amazing new theme music. That is the collaboration of two amazing musicians, our very good friend of the pod and just good friend, Elizabeth, who you've heard on the show at least twice, who also sings the theme for Plug It Up. She was on our invitation episode, and then she was more recently on our Hellbender episode. So that those, those angelic vocals you just got to enjoy are her and then she collaborated with her creative and life partner eric newell from bloody good horror fame and they were so kind to create this incredible theme song for us i freaking love it i do too it's so great i love her vocals the whole thing sounds amazing i'm so excited i hope you guys enjoyed it yeah it makes us sound way cooler. So uh, yeah. we've already peaked on this episode. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Prepare for disappointment after that. <laughs> the good it's news like a is big set up, and then we just fail. Yeah. The good news is at the end of the episode, you'll get to hear some more of it, and then maybe you'll forget all the stuff that yeah, happened in the yeah, middle. Yeah, stay tuned for that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Yeah. So very, very, very excited about our new theme music. Okay. So yeah, Ariel. Yes. I mean, the most exciting thing for me in the world right now is hanging out with you plus our theme music. What about you? <laughs> What's happening in your life? Anything exciting? Anything weird? I mean, your neighborhood is essentially a circus. So what is yes. happening currently? So I actually almost FaceTimed you the other day because <laughs> I wanted what? to. Yeah. Uh, my upstairs neighbor had a party. Okay. It started out 
with what I assume was a surprise party because I heard a bunch of people shouting surprise. And I mean, ever... that's a, a yeah, fairly right, good right. clue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did say you wanted to be Columbo when you grew up. Well, good news. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> so... Unfortunately, ever since they removed the carpet upstairs, I can hear way more than I would care to. Oh, God. Of what goes on in the apartment above me. One but, pause. Is this an additional new person or is no. this taking the place of the person who um, had a frequent That's the, the person. gift? Oh, yeah, or, okay. That person. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Same yeah, person. Got same it. person. Got it, got it, they got have got not it. moved out, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so they had this party and I just ignored it. It was very loud, but I was just not paying much attention to it. And then I went to take my dog for a walk. And as I walked through the sort of vestibule area where the stairs go for the, you know, the rest of the apartment, Mm -hmm. people were filtering in wearing animal masks, like cheap party city animal masks. What? (laughs) Like, are we talking like, was there an eyes wide shut party upstairs? I think there might have been like a Dollar General Eyes Wide Shut Party. (laughs) (laughs) Not a Dollar General Eyes Wide Shut Party. (laughs) Because after I got back from this walk and I had Uh to spend the next six hours in my apartment while they were having said party. They could at least invite you. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) It was very loud and there were lots of noises that I didn't want to hear. Oh my god. So yeah, it was a lot of people in a small apartment. <laughs> so in Up Rachel's America, you got invited to that party and like you were like, <laughs> What am I gonna wear? And then we just hot glued a bunch of cotton balls to a paper plate. We're like, You're a sheep, go. <laughs> oh but my god, see, this is why I need you living near me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but seriously, like how how what how does this keep happening to you? I don't understand. Rachel, I don't know. It went on till almost three o'clock in the morning. My neighbor had one like really loud fight with his boyfriend over some misconduct on Grinder, and it was the highlight of my neighborhood year. <laughs> I, I mean, I have been living on that memory for months. Every other day, madness occurs around you. I don't know what's happening. They also just remodeled some of the buildings in my complex. And so a bunch of new people are moving in and that's making me a little nervous. Maybe they're going to move in a bunch of normies. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't. You Like, you know how in Buffy there's always demons and stuff because they're near a hell mouth? You're at the mouth of whatever makes Portland weird. Yeah. Underneath you is a weird mouth. (laughs) Weird mouth. (laughs) you know what's so strange too is i swear if you drove through my neighborhood it is the most normal boring looking suburb ever it's so normal and boring we have a understand we have a shared friend whose parents live in the same part of portland as you that's right and she believes you and yet also can't believe the things that you're saying that's because (laughs) i think because she sees what you're seeing yeah, it's normal but and boring. <laughs> then the freaks come out at night. Yeah. Sometimes human freaks, sometimes human freaks and animal masks, sometimes just animals chasing <laughs> that you. too, unfortunately. Like, you know, West Side Story style, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Did you, when you edited, I think it was the latest Stream Queens, did you enjoy hearing me recounting the story of you getting chased? Oh my God, I cracked up so much. You were so funny and her, Mars's reaction was hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I want peace in your life. I want emotional, psychological peace in your life. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Not at the expense of your favorite (laughs) stories. You still need that entertainment. <laughs> I do. I do. Because I get all the entertainment value out of it with none of the stakes. <laughs> <laughs> and I realize that makes me a garbage person and a garbage friend. I, and I understand. Apologize. Because when you were updating us on Discord about the fight that was happening, I was like glued to my phone. So it, I, I mean, it. <laughs> it was riveting stuff. And I'm such a garbage person. At first, I was like, oh, they're so loud. I can't even concentrate. Flash forward 15 minutes later, I'm in the room closest to where the fight is happening with the window cracked. <laughs> and like, like the cup against the wall. <laughs> I mean, if I thought it would have helped, I would have put it up. I looked around at one point and I realized that everyone had congregated around me, my partner, both my cats. Everybody was in this <laughs> tiny little room That's and we were so all funny. just sitting in silence listening to unfold <laughs> and to this i mean i haven't they haven't fought again which is really disappointing because i want to know what happens next and i because i'm so neighbor averse i haven't gotten to know them so i can't ask questions and so it's oh, like you can't go over the there and two, chat them up. it's the two parts of myself in a civil war yeah you know there's the nosy <laughs> part of me that has the truth lasso and must know all things versus the i don't want to get to know my neighbors because <laughs> I have a truth lasso and they'll never leave. <laughs> oh my God. That is so true. If you started asking them questions, they oh. would just, their whole lives would unfurl oh. before you. <laughs> and there's no extraction at that point because you no, live next door, no, no. right? Yeah. I can, no I can it. get deep with people in passing with, in fact, I can't avoid it, unfortunately, but when there's proximity and there's no escape, I have to put up those walls. And that's normally fine. I don't give a shit about what's happening at the unlicensed auto shop next to me. I just want it to be quieter. But then when they start having grinder drama, ooh. Yeah, then it pings ooh, your curiosity. Ooh, yeah. I need to know what happened with Dexter. I totally get that. I do too. Did I would Dexter, like an update. We need episode two. Did Dexter finally deactivate his grinder or did he just delete the app off his phone again? That's what I need oh. to know. Good question. My favorite was when he called him out for he had seen like the last time he logged in and it was while he was still over there. (laughs) (laughs) He was lining up his hookup (laughs) while his boyfriend was there. It was amazing. It was A A A plus 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 plus. He needs to get a second phone. (laughs) Like a seriously. (laughs) Serious. It was amazing. Oh God. Let there be another. I don't want him to be unhappy, but if he has to be, I would like him to do it loudly in front of my house again. Right. Outside of you. <laughs> and you can bet I will be updating everybody oh, on the yeah. Discord. <laughs> play by Yet play. another reason to join our Patreon. <laughs> I know, right? You know what? Honestly, you should be detailing some of these things. I know you want to save some of them for the podcast, and I value that. But if once in a while you wanted to do like a Drop live in the tweet, Discord, <laughs> by all means, I would be riveted. Okay. All right. I will keep that in mind. <laughs> all right. So let's make a really awkward transition. Into the reviewing of this beautiful (laughs) film. (laughs) Very serious film. God, I mean, it's this is weird. And this is your first time on the show. You you know what you're getting. Oh yeah, right. If you're if you're a listener, you get it. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, cool. So we are, I don't know if I've even said what we're covering yet, but we are going to be covering the film Master, directed by the incredible Miriama Diallo, who we recently interviewed about this film. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I would listen to our review and definitely go back and check that out. She is just as brilliant as you would guess and yep. warm and lovely. And we had a really great conversation. Yeah, so she's amazing. Definitely check that out. All right, but before we get into any of that, can you please let any new listeners know what our spoiler policy is here on this pod? Yeah, so what we're going to do is first, I'm going to tell you about the director and the making of the movie, and then we're going to give you some non-spoiler overall general thoughts about this and whether it's worth checking out, and then Spoiler Zone opens up and everything's up for grabs, and we're going to talk about the ending. Rachel's synopsis is probably going to spoil some things, so just be aware, but we'll give you a Mm -hmm. heads up before we do that. Yeah, I'll vamp. You'll have time. Don't worry. (laughs) If spoilers bother you, you can just go watch this movie right now because it's available on Amazon Prime. Ding, ding, ding. And who doesn't have Amazon Prime at this point? They have insinuated themselves into our lives. I mean, and if you don't have it, you know somebody's got it. (laughs) (laughs) We are encouraging bad behavior. But still, Amazon, we would like that affiliate money. Casey, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. Okay, cool. So you have the background and all that stuff for us this time. So why don't you tell me a little bit about this amazing director as well as the uh, some information about the background of this film. So Miriam Diallo is a Senegalese-American writer and director who grew up on Roosevelt Island in New York. Oh. Yeah. As a kid, she used to write stories and read a lot, and she even would sleep with goosebump books under her pillow. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. I know, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I love her so much already. Don't tell me these things. <laughs> so other than reading Goosebumps, she was also influenced as a kid by overhearing documentaries on Jim Crow that her mom would watch and mm. by the book Wanted Dead or Alive, the true story of Harriet Tubman that her mom gave her when she was a kid. And apparently mm. the cover was so scary to her that she hid it at the back of her bookshelf. I mean, that is really tracking for me. This intersection mm-hmm. yes. of horror and real life horror, uh, it definitely is imprinted in the DNA of her filmmaking. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. She also said that her mother took her to see The Sixth Sense as a kid, which both terrified and excited her. Oh, okay. okay. So in a Huffington Post interview, she said, quote, I love that feeling of the stakes feeling so high for that moment of time that you're in the theater, your life feels threatened, your concept of the world and what's possible feels threatened and it can shift or expand. So that was sort of a a big thing after watching that movie for her. But then when she was 14, she stopped by her local blockbuster that was having a going out of business sale. And she picked up Annie Hall, E2 Mama Tambien and Movern Caller and had this flash that she wanted to be a filmmaker Oh, wow. Yeah. And after watching those purchases, she became determined that that's what she was going to do moving forward. Oh, that's so cool. She went to Yale as a film studies major. And I'll talk more about her experience at Yale in a bit when I go into the movie, because obviously that's sort of a big part Mm -hmm. of Master. Yeah. It was there that she realized that in order to create sort of the complete vision that she wanted, she really needed to write as well as direct. She also loves horror and sci-fi and has always felt like there are so many stories to be mined in black horror in mm-hmm. these areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she said that she really likes the more personal, kind of emotionally analytical horror movies. And she referenced Hereditary, Let the Right One In, and Get Out, 
Mm-hmm. But, and you're going to like this, she also loves unapologetic B-movies like oh. Malignant. Yeah! <laughs> Vindication! It can't be bad if she likes right, it! Right. <laughs> Team Malignant! Gabriel's coming! <laughs> I'm convinced that people are going to feel about Malignant the way that people feel now feel about Dead Silence. Oh, I bet you're right. Mm-hmm. He's just just ahead of his time yeah right now caitlin is just like i'm quitting the podcast i hate you <laughs> and she just invited us to guest to do a guest spot on plug it up and she's like no i'm gonna burn out. that goodwill right now <laughs> listen i know it's trash but it's trash art i don't know like it's so very much it's it's thing yeah I can't it's just so it. bonkers it's really fun yes. i just saw Even like a really dumb parts are fun i saw like a <laughs> meme that took place in the jail Oh, and it, uh-huh. just, and it reminded me of how insane that scene is. That is a crazy scene. <laughs> Sorry, okay, that's not what we're talking about today. I'm yeah. just glad to, I'm just, I feel very vindicated in this moment because she's so smart and she's an amazing filmmaker. And if she gets it, well, then <laughs> I don't know. I'm saying she and I agree. I <laughs> now you can bring that up anytime anyone tries to claim that Malignant is a bad movie. You think you have to tell me that? <laughs> already am planning on it. I've already filed that away in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Miriama was a breakout star after her short Hair Wolf came out and won a ton of awards, including the Short Film Jury Award at Sundance in 2018. It was her second short film that she both wrote and directed. And of course, if you want to hear more about the creation of Hairwolf and our thoughts on it, go listen to episode nine of our show because yep. we reviewed it there. Well, alert. It's fantastic. We loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's when we became like Diablo heads. Yeah, exactly. And in that episode at the end, when you were telling us about what she had coming up next, you were talking about Master. And yes. now we're getting to watch it. Yeah. I love it. I love this cycle. This is so exciting. Whenever this happens, I get very excited. So after Hairwolf, she went on to be a staff writer for the HBO show Random Acts of Flyness, where she directed four episodes. And then last year, she and her partner co-wrote and directed the short White Devil about a black mm-hmm. woman whose quarantine experience takes on a disturbing turn when the dynamic she has with her partner is impacted by happenings outside their brownstone apartment and it was based on the experience she actually had during the pandemic where she had moved into this kind of fancier apartment building at the same time that all these blm protests were happening right outside and this these conflicting feelings she had and how she started to fight with her white partner and they were fighting over dumb things i think it was about a a rug choice Mm -hmm. a new apartment Mm -hmm. and then realized that that's not what she was really angry about. Got it. All right. So for Master, the movie that we're going to be talking about today, it is set at a predominantly white Ivy League university. And like I said before, Mariama went to Yale. And apparently before she even stepped foot on campus, she was assigned a master just like in the movie. So this is really based on somewhat based on her own personal experiences there. So in case you've never heard this term before, a master is the head of a residential college at Yale. And she has said in interviews that it was so normalized at the school that she sort of happily used the title and didn't really think about it when she was a student. But then a few years after graduating, she actually ran into her former master while she was in New York, just on the streets, and had this sudden kind of epiphany about how messed up it is. Mm -hmm. 
So in an interview with Ian Sandwell for Digital Spy, she said of the experience, quote, it was really jarring and it was funny. It was bizarre and it was sick and twisted all at the same time. After we caught up and I walked away, I thought, wow, I need to write about this. Mm -hmm. And that's what she did. Yeah. So after she had graduated, there actually was a political movement on the Yale campus to abolish the term master and they were successful. So the title is no longer used there. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know its origin, but yeah. I think in modern context, it's a no. <laughs> it's a no. Yeah. Well, and I was reading that at some of the other Ivy Leagues, they use that term, but the people themselves aren't called that. They're just called by their name. But at mm. Yale, they were actually called master when you were talking to them. And so that mm. is why it became sort of even more of an issue that needed to be fixed immediately. Yeah, that makes sense. So Miriama said that while she was writing the script, there was actually a lot of political action happening on campus at Yale, and it made her have to kind of take a step back and really interrogate herself on why she didn't get involved in any of this when she was a student. I mean, I could see why how that might connect to different aspects of the uh, in this film. Yeah, exactly. Both in the Jasmine character when she's given that flyer, but mm-hmm. also also with Gail. You know, and the way that Gail deals with things. Right. So in interviews, she's also talked about kind of the burden that is placed on black students who are accepted to Ivy League schools. She talked about how she felt a lot of gratitude at having achieved something that was historically denied to other people like her. But that once she was there, it also makes you feel lonely and isolated when you're kind of held up as an example. So some of the inspiration for adding witchcraft into the history of the university in Master was the story of Tituba, an enslaved black girl who was the first woman accused of witchcraft during the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read kind of a long quote from her about this, so just bear with me, but I think it's a really good quote. I'm happy to listen to anything she says. <laughs> Have <Right>? at it. <laughs> so in an interview with Filmmaker Magazine, she said, quote, I've been really intrigued by that aspect of this particular witch hunt because it's a very good metaphorical device for the way in which black and white women are co-inmates in the jail of misogyny. There's still this Mm. tension and oppression, this push and pull. There's this dynamic of the victim's victim, which Tatuba is a great example of. She had less power than the girls she looked after who were the ones who accused her and set the whole chain of events in motion. But she also did have a certain power because she was one of the few survivors of that entire witch trial. She admitted to being a witch, which saved her life. So she had sort of a power of self-determination. And she probably understood a lot better than the others who were accused and executed that the way that others see you and how you let others see you determines everything about your life. Mm, That's really interesting. Because so much about this movie is about people seeing or or the characters looking, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So she said that she hopes her film feels dated in 20 years because there has been so much progress. (laughs) I hope so, too. Yeah. So she said that she hopes in 20 years there's been so much progress that it'll feel, you know, out of date. But that the cynic in her doubts that that will be true, especially in terms of these old Ivy League universities. Right. In a Harper's Bazaar interview, she said, quote, when you have some of these institutions that are several centuries old, part of their selling point is their age and their history and the weight of the yeah. institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're not skipping gladly into the future. 
They are very caught up in their traditions, their rituals, and their past. I think that there will be a lot of academic institutions that are still circling the drain with these same measures of fake progress that Ann Castor gets caught up in. Oh, my God, that video. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious, but it's funny because it's true. And it's also yeah. horrific because it's true. <laughs> yeah. I love the way it's placed in the middle of the movie. It's really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So Master premiered at Sundance on January 21st of this year and then went on to South by Southwest before being released on Amazon Prime on March 18th, which is where you can watch it now. And as for what she's doing next, she plans to continue making horror movies. She has told us in our interview that she has a few ideas she's been thinking about and working on and that she's about to start writing her next script, which will be a horror movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. one of us, one of us. (laughs) (laughs) I love a horror nerd lady. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. Well, that was super interesting. She is incredible. I can tell you one thing, having now seen two things by her, whatever she does, I will be immediately putting it in my eyeballs. Yeah. I mean, she has such a point of view that I'd be very Mm -hmm. curious to see her do just about anything. Yeah. I love the all of the background information about how the pieces of what horror is to her came together was really interesting because I think you can draw like a very clear line between those formative sort of horror moments in her life and the kind of films that she's making and the kind of things she's trying to talk about and sort of process through her films I think Mm -hmm. is really really interesting so I mean I've obviously been very effusive about this you want me to go first or do you you like to do your non-spoiler first no go for it All right. So like you said, this is a movie that we have both really been looking forward to ever since we saw the amazing Hairwolf. And I was, I for one was dying to see what she would do with a feature film because even, even in such a short runtime, I feel like she really delivered a powerful message and she did it in a way that was confronting. And yet also, I don't know, like it don't, entertaining feels like a weird word but it was it was i was entertained while i was watching it but also felt like i came away from it going like okay i understand something here and so i wanted to see what she would do with a feature film and i'm delighted to say that i also found this film to be excellent but it definitely hurts it hurts a lot more (laughs) than hairwolf did i mean hairwolf hurt but this one hurts and i think it should you know i think yeah she doesn't make you punches in this i mean it's more than it makes you uncomfortable like she does not pull some major punches in this in a way that really gives this yeah. stakes and hurts i've always liked regina hall as an actor but i think i've primarily prior to this seen her in comedic roles like mm-hmm. when i think of her as an actor i think of something like the scary movie movies yeah, yeah or of course more recently girls trip she's really great in that but now oh now i am obsessed <laughs> <laughs> and not to be cliche but she is tour de force in this uh, there is a moment in this movie where she makes a sound. It's almost like Pavlovian. It's just like instant tears when I hear it. I've watched the movie a few times now to prepare for this because we kept having conflicts. <laughs> so <laughs> I have seen this movie. But yeah, it's like instant tears. Instant. Yeah. Even thinking about it, like I get a little like, Ooh. And I think Zoe Renee, who plays Jasmine, is also really incredible in this. The role requires her to do so much sort of below the surface acting because like a big part of this plot is about having to kind of hide for survival. and Right. To, yeah. And all so, of those small facial expressions where mm-hmm. you know what she's thinking, but she's trying to cover it up for everybody else. Really, really good. I also appreciated that she looks young in this yeah. movie. I think that really helped because a lot of times... 
they cast like 30 year olds to play 18 year olds. And I don't feel Mm -hmm. like it has the same impact as when somebody really looks like they're that age. Mm -hmm. Because it's one of those things that we, because of films, we think a certain age looks a certain way. Yeah. When you actually see high schoolers or junior high, you're like, babies. Those are a bunch of fetuses. Right. What exactly. <laughs> but like I've been told that the cast of Riverdale is what teenagers <laughs> look like. And that is not. That is what 40-year-olds look like <laughs> who have access to really good skincare. <laughs> so I, I see what you're saying. This movie also has the same kind of cringe factor that Harewolf has. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that the movie is cringe. I'm saying it creates a cringe in me. Because there are definitely moments here that are things I don't like about myself or that I fear about myself. Are you talking about the woke professor? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel (laughs) you. She's so well-intentioned and yet you're just like, fuck. And I'm just like, you know... And, and I try to be self-aware, but no one can ever be 100% self-aware. And yeah, I probably so you wonder, like, oof, do I come off like that sometimes? I'm sure that yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm positive that I do. I know my heart, but I also know that I'm going to fuck all it, it up, yeah. you know? Yeah. And when I do, the result at best is just cringeworthy. So, but it's still like, ooh, so uncomfortable. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay mm-hmm. for me to be cringing about this. Right. Yes. Is this the kind of thing that keeps me up at night in the shame spiral? Yes. But I also <laughs> think it speaks to the fact that Dialo is able to add real humanity and levels to even these very side and secondary characters you can find yourself in this movie you may not like what you find but you're gonna find yourself in here (laughs) and the movie looks incredible i think the setting of ancaster is so foreboding it's another character to the film it's kind of the villain of the film in some ways especially we'll get into some of the infestations and things like that And her use of color, I know we talked about this in our interview with her, is almost Baba-esque. Like the use of reds and, and, you know, how it works thematically is really great. I don't know. Overall, I just, like I said, this is excellent. I think if you can appreciate a a slower-paced, haunting style film, and you want a film that has some real depth, uh, you're going to be just like you and, I mean, I can't speak to you. Just like for myself, I was really happy uh, with this film i really liked it a lot even though like i said it 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 hurts (laughs) (laughs) yeah about you yeah i basically agree with that i think it's a really great movie i think it's super interesting the way that it explores like microaggressions and the Mm -hmm. way that black students and professors are treated at these predominantly white institutions because that's not something i've ever experienced and so it's really interesting to see that on film And like you were saying about the red, like the visual language that she uses in this film is really interesting. And we can talk about specifics once we get into spoiler territory. But there's also stuff she does with camera angles, Jasmine's hair, everything that sort of indicates what thematically is happening in the movie that I found fascinating. So that stuff Mm -hmm. is all really great. And this movie, like you were saying, it's going to make you see yourself in some of it, perhaps make you really uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but and i i think that i think that some of that is because you're seeing you're maybe seeing yourself reflected i think some of it is because just the amount of both microaggressions and then more overt racism is mm-hmm. really uncomfortable and really mm-hmm. heartbreaking but there's also this kind of eerie foreboding feeling throughout the whole movie yes. that kind of has you on edge even when those things aren't happening in a particular scene 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that really speaks to her as a filmmaker, that she's able to create that feeling. The first time I watched it, I was just, I felt unbalanced through the mm-hmm. whole movie. Mm-hmm. I think it just keeps you a little bit off kilter, especially for me in the interactions between Gail and Liv. We'll talk about that more later. But mm-hmm. but overall, I, I really enjoyed this. I think that it's definitely worth seeking out. It's not the type of, you know, it's not like a big slasher movie or something. It's more got sort of supernatural elements to it. That it's like psychological kind of, horror largely. Yeah, and yeah. I think that I remember listening to an interview where Miriam Diallo called it like a spooky drama, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, describes it pretty well. So if that's your cup of tea, I think you're really going to enjoy it. And even if you don't think that's your cup of tea, it might be worth watching just because there's so much... There's so many interesting things she's trying to say with this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. So that's what we're thinking uh, in a non-spoiler way of this film. If you've already seen it, which hopefully you have, you can stick around because I'm going to get into some. I, I tried to keep it a little bit spoiler light in the synopsis just in case people didn't quite have time to grab for their phone or they're sort of on the fence about whether or not they want to. After that, we are going to get into it because I want to talk about specific scenes. Me too. And, and I definitely talk about the end. end. And definitely. <laughs> so you've had some time to find your phone to what other what else do people listen to podcasts on of hit pause on YouTube or I don't know. What are the kids doing it on their like lightning stones? Who fucking knows? Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> please tell know. me you just made that up and that's not something I just don't know exists. <laughs> it's not something. I mean, it might exist. I don't know. I don't know. Like, oh my God. Is there some new device and I've never even heard of it? Is that how ancient I am now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into the synopsis. All right. So this film takes place, like we said, at Ancaster, which is an elite university somewhere in New England. I don't know if we ever land on an estate, but it doesn't really matter. It's a vibe, right? Yeah. Which is supposedly haunted by the ghost of a witch named Margaret Millet, who was killed in the witch trials. She was, I guess, hung there. Mm -hmm. And it's a little hard to write this synopsis because there's two, it involves two sort of intersecting stories. So I'm going to talk about one and then I'm going to come back and talk about the other. So the first one is about Jasmine, who is a young black student who is arriving on her first day at school where she learns that she's getting that room, which turns out to be the supposedly cursed room where Margaret hung herself and has caused other students over the years to do the same. Over the course of the film, we see Jasmine trying to kind of find her place in this school, which is beyond predominantly white. There's like a handful, maybe seven people of color on the student body. And while she's doing this, she's working really hard to fit in and they're not really holding up their end of the bargain. No, they are not. (laughs) There, you know, is a sea of microaggressions, which are awful. And then uh, some really outright racism at some points. But she endures increasingly racist aggression from her classmates, which leads to her realizing that racism is sort of endemic in American culture. And it is a hopeless message. Then the other story follows Gail, and she is the school's first ever black master. When the film opens, she's moving into her new house, because I guess the masters have, like, a house on campus. I don't really, 
I went yeah. to community college, so I don't know <laughs> how that all works. And soon, spooky things start occurring, including hearing bells coming from the maid's room, muddy footprints on the floor. And like Jasmine, she endures her own sort of sea of endless microaggressions from her white colleagues, some of them well-meaning, but still fucking up. Yep. You can, two things can be true uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> for the people in the back who need to hear it, including myself. <laughs> some of them are well-meaning, some of them not so much. And between that and this very tragic thing that occurs and a discovery of a friend's betrayal, which we're definitely going to need to talk about. Mm. <laughs> she kind of comes to a very stark realization about her future at Ancaster as well. And that is what it's about. Yeah. No, that was great. Was that okay? It's a, yeah, it's a hard one to synopsize, but that was great. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's crazy how that how Mariama wove these stories together. Mm-hmm. I, at first, I was like, is it the same person, two different, like, you know, like I thought maybe it was two different time periods. And then Jasmine pulled out a cell phone and I was like, okay, oh, nope. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just didn't know if that was the kind of thing that they were talking about when she was there, when she was a student, and then when she came back as a mat. Like, that's what I thought for the first, I don't know, three minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, no, I can understand that. But then, no, I, I think it's actually more interesting than that, to be honest. Okay, so now we're in the spoiler zone. You can say whatever you want, Ariel. Tell me about this movie. What do you think? <laughs> All right. Well, again, I loved it. And one of the things that you and I talked about before we interviewed Mariama Diallo in, in, the, in the interview was, like you said, the use of red mm-hmm. and the references to a scarlet letter. I think yes. the way that she uses it is so smart and I know that we had talked about watching it again and sort of tracking the use of red, which I don't know Mm -hmm. if you did, but I did as I watched it again. Mm -hmm. And it lines up perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's so good because every time that Gail has some kind of supernatural experience, she's wearing red. Mm, That's right. She has like red turtleneck, right? Yeah. She has like a couple different red sweaters that she wears throughout the movie. Yeah. And then... There's like maybe two instances where she's not wearing red, but there tends to be something else red in the frame. And Jasmine, she is either wearing a red towel in the bathroom, picking Mm -hmm. up a red diary, or Mm. there are red lights, some kind of glowing red light happening in a hallway behind her. Or when there's that scene in the library when she's left there alone, the windows, the stained glass windows are glowing bright red. Mm -hmm. And as she comes outside and there's a an interaction with the cloaked figure that she's running from you again see those big red windows so it's it's all throughout the movie yeah which i just think is is really cool and a really sort of dynamic way to do it and obviously she loves giallo films yeah (laughs) you can see that inspiration there but i just think it it really works because even if you're not picking up on each and every time that happens i just think it adds an ambiance you know makes it more creepy when these supernaturally things are happening yeah I loved her explanation of it's like a violent incursion. Mm, Even when it's not violent, it's still sort of drawing drawing psychological blood. Yeah. Yeah. So I also think that the camera angles here really help to unsettle you in this film. Mm. There are Mm. all these like slow zooms in or zoom out shots. And then there are a couple of scenes where like you're seeing somebody through a mirror or mm-hmm. in a mirror, I guess would be a better way to say that. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a different kind of movie. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so there's the scene you were talking about where uh, Jasmine is in the bathroom and that other young woman comes in to invite her to the Black Student Union. And they have this conversation. 
And it's sort of this awkward back and forth between them. And for a good portion of that scene, you're just seeing their faces in the mirror. They're not being shot directly. Mm, Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. And there's things like that that she does throughout the movie that I just think helps create this sort of environment that makes you feel as unbalanced as Gail and Jasmine feel, you know? Mm -hmm. I also really appreciated how sort of the themes of the movie line up with this stuff and especially with Jasmine's hair. I thought that that was really interesting. And I think you notice it even the first time you're watching where she has natural curly hair in that first scene. But then as soon as she's introduced to these shitty students and there's constant onslaught of microaggressions. Yes. The affluenza is strong in these kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the combination of white and rich and privileged is like a nasty brew. They're like talking about, oh, this happened on Birthright. I was in the Mile High Club on Birthright. I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) Uh, <sighs> yeah they're awful <laughs> they're just awful mm-hmm. and so then she you see her with the relaxed straight hair and then as soon as we get the scene with the burning cross and I, I know i'm sure we'll go into more of that after she comes back from that experience she has the curly hair again and i yeah. think it sort of to me signaled this idea that like no matter what she does she's not going to be accepted and she's not going to fit in here was it also because, after she had gotten that note about not leaving yeah. her hair in the sink? Because yes. that's the other one mm-hmm. where it's just like she's yeah. being shamed about the natural texture of her hair. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, I would think, well, why am I bothering to conform? They're never going to accept me. Like, this is so fucked, you know? Right. Totally. And, and nor should she have to. But I right. I say that as someone who is a total people pleaser. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just think this does such a great job of taking real life horrors and now knowing how mariama thinks and basically putting them through this sort of translation of horror visual language and tropes and things like that Mm -hmm. which has the effect of rather than obscuring them exposing them so that what you see on the other end is that these are evils which is you know perfect for something that is a supernatural for essentially yeah yeah absolutely and i think she does such a good job of making it clear that yes all of these people are doing individually terrible things right Mm -hmm. and shitty on different levels but that the real antagonist the real villain of this movie is like you were saying ancaster itself the university the institution the people that run the school Right. It's not just a single person or these supernatural elements. That's Mm -hmm. the villain. It's the institution and that it really rewards inaction. Yeah. Because all it wants is this veneer of diversity and progress, but no Mm -hmm. concrete change. Yeah. I love the way that she uses sort of the symbolism of infection and infestation with the magnets. Yeah. Maggots, not magnets. I told you I'm tired. (laughs) But I, I, uh, you know, that there's just this rot, like you said, behind the veneer of this institution, that behind it is, is, you know, decay and also death, right? Because maggots, death, that that correlation. And then when we get to her painting, her beautiful portrait, and then the maggots are falling out, you kind of get this idea that ultimately, 
Yes, that it will. The in, the mm-hmm. the infection, the infestation can affect you too, which is something I think thematically we get payoff at the end of the movie. Oh, she's just like, bye-bye. That was like a harbinger thing. And I almost feel yeah. like the ghost of the house is warning her, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely is. And I and I totally think you're right that it's like, yeah, it's, it's going to infect her as well. And I think we even get the idea that it already has because she once, can we talk about what happens to Jasmine? We're we're in spoiler territory, right? Yeah, we got to do it. All right. So Jasmine ends up hanging herself in her room. Oh, my God. That part. When she finds her body, it was. That's the part I'm talking about. She makes the noise. When she screams. She is now in the pantheon of screamers Mm -hmm. with Toni Collette for me. Yeah. And then I think that she admits that she could have done more there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that, that the need to or the being forced to kind of conform in this university and to meet their criteria and stuff created a situation where she didn't maybe react how she would want to to what was going on with Jasmine and I think that we see that that really hurts her yeah I think some of it I don't know my interpretation of this too maybe I'm wrong Uh was that some of it's a little bit generational and that's why I'm saying I think it's really interesting that we're not having the same person but like two people at the same time who are from different generations Mm -hmm. and their responses to the same scenario right because Gail has been through it but she managed to put her head down and just overprove yeah. herself and like go, well, this is part of the thing, but I'm going to make it. I'm going to prove them wrong. And for Jasmine, that's the last thing she needs. It's like actually incredibly harmful for her because she is of a generation where she has some real serious boundaries about what she will and won't put up with. And to be told that there's no hope, I mean, it results yeah. in what it results in. It's fucking heartbreaking. But yeah. like, it's also understandable. Right. Yeah, it's completely understandable why it happened. And I think you're right, because Gail even gives her that speech at the hospital about how, like, you can't give up and you've got to keep pushing, you know? Yeah. I mean, and then when she has that confrontation with the, you know, woman in the hospital who is like, whatever's going on with her. It, it sort of underscores what she had just said of, like, it's fucking everywhere. You can't even reach out a hand to someone without that mm-hmm. part of America, like, coming back yeah to bite you yeah and, and i that, think i think jasmine says exactly that that it doesn't matter where i go it's everywhere ugh. and in part she's talking about the witch but we know what she's really talking about right right yeah yeah, yeah the true antagonist which is yeah. america <laughs> but yeah yeah this movie that's what i'm saying you see this woman behind the sheet and it's you've seen that shot before many times of something mm-hmm. creepy i mean like it's from psycho essentially right the antagonist the old woman behind the the curtain but because it's actually about something bigger than just like a mundane evil but like a larger evil it's exposed through the the language of horror it's it's just really smart filmmaking i I just love it i just think it's cool i think it's really powerful and effective and i think it has the like we talk about empathy machines we talk about the power of film to kind of like make you see new perspectives and these moments feel like it's going to touch someone who knows familiar with that film language, you know, in yeah. a way. Yeah. And totally. it's, and it's the way you sneak in the important messages, right? Like <laughs> through the, the delicious sort of horror trope. But yeah, I just think it's, it's really great. To me, the scariest though, the scariest moments in this film are not necessarily the spooky dookie ones. It's creepy mm-hmm. that that painting looks like a monster. It, 
It's creepy that there's a woman in a cloak or a hand coming out from under a bed, but nothing to me was scarier than that part in the when she's in the party and the music changes and you're like, no. Yeah, that was and bad. It mm-hmm. almost gets repulsion-esque. You know what I mean? Where she's just like, there's just these arms all around yeah, her. Yeah, she's being like consumed jumping. by it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's really, really disturbing. It's really, really disturbing. disturbing. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of moments like that. Even... After after that party where she's kissed that guy and her roommate now despises her, there's a scene where they're getting dressed in the room together and they're facing away from each other and both kind of awkwardly putting their clothes on while not looking at each other. And uh-huh. then they turn back towards each other and she just says, I hate you, I think, or I hate you so much, something like that. And yeah. there's just so much tension and uneasiness in that scene that it kind of makes your skin crawl you know i don't even know if i'm ready to unpack this i don't think it's the most important part of it but the stuff with the roommate were in the in the woods yeah i know because it seemed clear yeah that she had been sexually assaulted and that it was not the first time yes but it's just kind of like slides on by and so i I didn't know what to take from that and i don't know that i'm prepared to even unpack i mean if you have a take i'm all ears but i was just like honestly this feels wildly like yeah, there are a couple of threads like that where I felt like I didn't quite understand their inclusion without sort of following through with them in some way. Okay, well, we don't have to get into it. But. Other than maybe it's just that even though she has experienced something really traumatic at a past university where she was forced to leave because people treated her terribly for basically being a woman, right? Because she was sexually assaulted by other mm-hmm. guys, that she doesn't really have any sympathy for what Jasmine's going through at all. Although, you know what, I'm thinking about that quote that you read earlier where mm-hmm. she talks about how, you know, the thing she took away from the the witch trials thing with Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That both she and white women were, you know, what is it, cellmates in the yeah. patriarchy? Like, I wonder if that's kind of a little bit of that kind of weaving into I bet the you're story. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that I would have got that without your quote, but but no, now that no, I know I think, that context, that I'm right. like, actually, the thing is, is what happens is the lack of allyship that she couldn't turn to her roommate. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like, you're I feel right, like there's something quote, it there. Says, it says black and white women are co-inmates in a jail of misogyny. Yeah. I think that's yeah. probably exactly what she was trying to accomplish with that. That's interesting. Okay. So the other thing... First of all, let me just say, do not sit on someone's bed with your shoes. That's fucking right. Rude. Don't put your outdoor shoes on my bed. <laughs> I mean, Excellent. it's rude to just all of them be sitting all over her bed anyways, but your shoes. Come your on. shoes? Come on. Teenagers are assholes. Yeah, yeah. College kids are assholes. But shoes? That mm-hmm. feels like such a low bar. Keep your fucking shoes off people. <laughs> and Furniture, the fact that nobody bed. moves for her when she comes in. They Seriously. basically don't acknowledge her, but they certainly don't move to give her a place to sit. That scene is so painful, yeah. when it, but it's also really interesting, right? I mean, it feels like something that happens for mm-hmm. sure, right? But there's the disrespect, like you said, of sitting on the bed, not getting up and moving for her. And then there's this moment where the guy calls her Beyonce and for like a minute feels like a compliment. And then they all start chiming in with other, yeah, black stars. Mm-hmm. And it's awful, but I yeah. think it's also this like really great encapsulation of how isolated she is. And how these seemingly harmless, I mean, a little like edge to them, but calling somebody Serena Williams, how is that a bad thing? You can hide and Mm -hmm. say, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's this great sort of 
like like you said, encapsulation of exactly how fucked that is. She puts a microscope on the micro to make it macro. You can't watch that scene and not see how that micro aggression actually impacts. Yes. 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 So I think that's, there's a lot of this. And I don't think that it's Miriam Adele's job to like show us that. I think it's great that, you know, like I think other people who have experienced probably can appreciate having that kind of thing validated those feelings that they have validated but i also think for people who maybe don't get it and need to she has done a service to like show exactly what the impact is you get the impact of a microaggression in a way in this movie that i don't think yeah because we're we're seeing the movie from the perspective of these two women you're in their story in their heads you know so that you can, it's easier to empathize than I think for people who might not otherwise do that. Mm-hmm. And Gail gets it too, right? They call her Ooh. Barack Obama at one point. The, I think it's like actually the next scene she yeah. gets called Barack Obama. And it's like, but that's a compliment. Uh, is it though? <laughs> but see, yeah. you could see how on the other end, someone could feel like, what? What's the problem? And this movie gives you the other side in a way that makes there, there's like no room for you to pull this shit. Now yeah. you've seen the other side. You've right. seen the impact. You can't right. hide cowardly behind being like, what? I called her Barack Obama, the black president. Ah, yeah, you know? that's a compliment. I meant it as a compliment. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the movie, and I, I know we'll get there, but just to point out, Gail, I wrote down what she says at the end where she sort of gives that little bit of a speech almost mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. other professors. Yeah. She says, it's like a ghost. You can't catch it. You can't prove it. I was never the master. I'm the maid. You brought me here to clean up. I didn't change anything. And I think that's it. It's a ghost, right? That you can't call these things out because people are going to say, well, you're just overreacting. That's not what they meant. It was a compliment, you know? My God. That speech, she's so amazing. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she's really good there. You know, the other thing about the microaggressions, too, is Miriam Diallo said in a couple of interviews that she actually pulled back on the amount of them that she included in her film. Because she started thinking about her own experiences going to school and sort of recognizing that this was something that she experienced all the time. And so the inclination is to add all of that. But she said when she looked at it, it felt like an onslaught. And so she kind of reined it back in. And that, I think, is the startling thing, really. Yeah. If you would like to know what privilege is, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this person having to pull back their real life experience so that you don't feel like it's an onslaught as an audience member. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about the Rachel Dozal of it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's where my mind went to. I I mean, my first watch of this, because it comes so late, I was like, what the hell? Yeah, I needed to watch it a second time, mm-hmm, I think, to con- contextualize it because then I got to see the whole thing play out knowing what I now know mm-hmm. about that character. And I think... What did you come away with? Okay, so I think ultimately what Gail does or what uh, Liz does is underscore Gail's point that it's yeah. everywhere, that it's America. And in this case, it could be the person right next to you, the person that you're closest to may also be, you know possessed by this ghost like you said of of you know cultural systemic racism institutional racism that it can exist in the person you're closest to you can be betrayed by that person yeah it was my takeaway but i want to know what you yeah think, no I, th- I think there's a lot i think that that. that's definitely i think that that's definitely it and i think that her character also shows that she was able to capitalize on 
the way that these institutions operate, she was able to capitalize on the fact that they want this, you know, vision of diversity, even though that's not actually what they want, right? Right. In a way that, you know, Gail tried to, and it, it kind of beat her up in the end, you know? Yeah. But that she used it to get tenure. Yeah. <laughs> like at the time I was like, yes, yes, get that tenure. Get uh-huh. it, get it. And then when you find out afterwards, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, no. It's, it's such a crazy scene there at the end, too, because I think when Gail confronts her, you see on Liv's face the recognition that, oh, fuck, I've been found out, you know? Yeah. And she spins it so quickly and so kind of successfully in front of all of these other professors. It's just, it's a really interesting scene. And and then she puts the cloak on. Right. So, so amazing. Right. <laughs> because because it, when she starts explaining to Gail, this is my life story, blah, 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 and kind of explaining, you know, no, you're wrong. Then she puts the cloak, because it, it makes you question for a second. You're right. like, oh, wait, right. wait, am I wrong? Is Gail wrong? And then she puts the cloak on and, you know, walks away and you're like, oh, nope, not wrong. (laughs) Not wrong. Yeah. It's just it comes so late. You don't even have time to process. Right. I do think it's second watch is beneficial with this movie because there's so much there there. You can't even take it all in on the first go. Yeah. Yeah. And in the end of that, that whole party at the house where that experience happens, I think that you see more of those those kind of microaggressions even coming from the woke professor where the second that Gail is a tiny bit forceful with her tone and with what she, you know, the words that she uses, she's basically like, Oh, calm down. Yeah. The tone policing comes right on out. That's what I mean. I'm just like, even though she's so upset and it's not enough for them. Right. Mm -mm. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then there's that whole scene where they're all sitting together and they're talking about like, Oh my god, it's the end. I'm just so tense. I know how you are. I know you're going through. It's so tense at the end of the semester. (laughs) Oh my god. And that's what I mean. That's the cringe of it, right? Because it's like well-meaning and just not fucking getting it. No, not getting it at all. It's all going over your head. You're trying to sympathize with her about the wrong thing. Right. And like not what she was talking about. Sure that I've done it. I'm Mm -hmm. sure. And it it sickens me, but you know what? Oh, well, oh, yeah, it's good <laughs> it's to have like, that if that's the burden I bear, sure. you know what I mean? Sure. Jesus. Yeah. And then there's the part where she starts looking at the paintings yes. on the wall. It's so cool. It's very cool. And then sees all of these, you know, same people sitting around at the party. Mm-hmm. And I think it just, it illustrates in kind of a supernatural ghostly kind of way that you've got all of these, you know, old white men pulling the strings at these universities and that this yeah. institution is unchanged even though they pretend they're changing yes absolutely i mean it's something that's reinforced multiple times throughout the film where you as you pointed out because they're so connected to their institution that's the feature not the bug right that they there is you know they're going to be resistant to change and but you'll see the insidious ways that shows up, like you said, with the photos where you see, oh, these people are the same people. Maybe they're not the exact same people, mm-hmm. but they're the same people. Yeah. Or the way, like, when she finds the mammy jar in the kitchen, that there's yeah. these things that, yes, this this institution is great because it has lasted this long and it has this pedigree of, of alumni and all that stuff. But it also means in that history that it has the same ties to the other parts of history. 
You mm-hmm. know, that that is also woven into right. the DNA of this, right. this institution. Yeah, it's and unavoidable. I, it, and it's subtle and it is cumulative so that when you get to that place where Gail has that sort of epiphany, you're like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because all that groundwork has been laid. Right. Yeah. This movie is good. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> is there okay. anything else you want to talk about? I mean, did you have any cons or any more pros that I'm I do have asking about? But oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> you, say, you never have cons. You need to start. I do sometimes. Some I do some I mean, I'll be honest, my big con going into it originally was the Rachel Dozal of yeah. it all. But then I watched it again and I was like, oh, I think I get it this time. Yeah. I think as far as cons, I would say this is a movie that probably, okay, this is my one con. Okay. I do have a con. And it's 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 a super lightweight con. You're going to be annoyed by it. <laughs> okay. I do think this is a movie that you can't just watch once. I mean, I guess you can. And some people who are smarter than me will probably get it the first time through. But I think a large part of the audience that is of my level of intelligence or lower is going to be required multiple watches to really get this movie. Because I think a lot of it, because it's done subtly or because the context changes so much at the end of the film that some of it, you're going to be like, there are loose threads here. I don't understand. Yeah. Whereas they do get neatened up. They do get tied up when the second time through, but there are some things if you are not, really critically watching it or reading supplementary things that are just going to feel like loose ends so that's my that's my criticism how about that was that a fair con yeah yeah that's okay no I, right. I, I think that's true i like the first time i watched it the relationship between Liv and gail was one of the things that kept me off kilter through the whole movie because sometimes it seems as though they're close and care about each other and other times it feels like when they're talking they're not understanding each other Which makes sense. Which makes perfect sense once you get to the ending. Correct. (laughs) It was obviously done intentionally, but it's another one of those things that makes you feel like weird when you're watching it until you get to the explanation for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for me, I think, okay, in this movie, there are kind of three main sort of haunting things that are happening, right? We have the cloaked figure who's following them around. We find out at the end that that's Liv. Right. So it's not it's not really a supernatural thing. It's just her being like a creepy stalker, kind of (laughs) (laughs) and perhaps following them to watch what they're doing, too. You know, I don't know. The other one is Gail's visions that she's having at the house that she lives in at the master's house, both of the maggots and the enslaved woman who she, for instance, sees scrubbing the floor in that one scene. And then there's Jasmine's nightmares where she's having visions uh, in in her nightmares of this witch. So I think the cloaked figure totally explained. We know it's Liv. The other two things I think are interesting because with Gail's visions, it's almost like you were saying, there's this infection and kind of this stain of trauma that -hmm. happened at this house that cannot be scrubbed out. And so, you know, she keeps seeing these, you know, images or having the, the bell ring because it, you know, you can't get away from that. Yeah. And then I think with Jasmine's nightmare, it's like, you know, is she really being haunted by a witch at that school or is she having these traumatic nightmares as a product of all of the racist torment she's been going through at the school? But there's mention, I feel like, that she's had nightmares in the past, that it's yeah. not a newer thing, right? Yeah. And there's a moment where she's having a nightmare and then you realize she's standing up 
right. and her roommates. I think so. My interpretation is there is a ghost in the master's house of the maid mm-hmm. who's warning her to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And that's why the bell's ringing when she's cleaning and things mm-hmm. like that. Right. There is Liv creeping around. And then there is Jas- and then Jasmine has like those are dreams. Those are actual nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I was saying. And okay. And so I think that for me, it took multiple watches, two watches, like you were saying, to kind of sort all of that out. Mm-hmm. And so my con would really be that I just wish that the ghost slash wish stuff was a little more fleshed out and cohesive so that you kind of got it more clearly what exactly was happening. And I also wouldn't have mind more of the scary witch stuff because <laughs> sure. I thought those images were really cool. Yeah. The hand touching her arm. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just, I wish that, I almost wish that she had ramped up some of that horror stuff. And I think by adding more of that, maybe it would have been a little clearer what exactly was happening because mm-hmm. you do have these three elements that don't actually fit together because they're right. separate things that are happening. And so I think that's a little bit confusing. Yeah. You know? I mean, like I get thematically why they would be, because it's not just one thing. It's yeah. everything. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I, I, just, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think it takes a little bit of investigation and work to get there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then I think that, and you feel free to totally disagree with me on this point. I disagree totally <laughs> with you on this point. But I think that, you know, we see the movie, like we were talking about, through Gail and Jasmine's eyes, and we see a lot of their reactions to things and how things, you know, hurt them or push them forward or how they affect them. But I don't think there's a ton of a characterization where we really understand a lot about who they are as people and who they were before the movie. You know what I mean? I don't personally feel that way, but if you feel that way, that's totally fine. Yeah. But anyways, that's, that's pretty much it. The first time I watched it, I was a bit confused about the live character that was cleared up for me but but yeah so i just think it's one of those things where you actually do have to pay attention oh it, <laughs> like, this is this, this isn't is, a play this a is not malignant phone while you're yeah this is not just something. a chill sit and you know brainless watch this movie requires you to engage i mean this was made by a filmmaker from yale obviously right. <laughs> for a I lot mean, of reasons yeah. and one of them is she's got a lot going on and so there's a lot in the film yeah. Maybe, maybe a little I can see what you're saying there's almost too much like how do I track yeah. all this but mm-hmm. if you're tackling all the different pillars of things that yeah are like- I also I also understand as a filmmaker if you had been making short films and you finally get the opportunity to do a feature you're wanting like, to sort all. of shove all of your ideas in there because like who knows if you're going to get another chance yeah. I could understand kind of going whole hog into it and yeah I think it does ultimately hold together but mm-hmm. I would recommend for people who are kind of like I feel like there's some holes in this watch it again yeah watch it again yeah you'll get there if i could get there you'll get there <laughs> if this dumb dumb could get there you <laughs> oh my got god this. Rachel, stop it. you were so smart mm. <laughs> you were so annoying remember community college <laughs> <laughs> we both went to community college right i guess you are very smart so so i guess uh, we're both the dumb dumbs here then shut up right see <laughs> no one talks about my friend like that i'm gonna fight you <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap it up <laughs> sorry <laughs> you are so funny um before we wrap it up i did want to bring up one other thing this is not okay. a con on on my end but i did do a lot of looking on twitter at the reactions oh, when this came mistakes out. mistakes were made but i wasn't just looking at everybody's i was looking specifically at a lot of the black 
creators, podcasters, bloggers okay. that we follow on Twitter. Okay. So, These are opinions that I value. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I wasn't I'm just like wading into the sea of nonsense on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I Twitter was at large, out, not interested. Yeah. yeah. I was going to tell me about like <laughs> girl that's scary or charade or something. Yes. Like, yes, I'm interested. Yeah. Okay. So what I saw was that there were I mean, I'm, I'm going to boil this down. So obviously, like, I'm not, I don't want to try to speak for anybody. But a lot of what I was seeing was people either loving it like we did or other people who were making the comment that what they wanted was a true, more straightforward horror movie because mm-hmm. they're sick of seeing every horror movie made by a Black creator having to mine Black trauma. Mm. And, yeah, I get that. And so, you know, obviously that's that's not our experience, but I can right. understand how that could be your experience. So, right. Anyways, I just want to put that out there because it was something that I saw quite a lot of. That that like was if every horror movie was a rape revenge movie. I yeah, like, exactly. You would be enough already by it. Exactly. Can I just get like a, a slasher or something? Yeah, yeah, totally. That is a totally fair criticism. I mean, I think it's a well-made movie, but yeah, of course it's not going to. I'm gonna it's have not going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. So when you tried to tell me you were on Twitter, I was like, I'm gone. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to hear some stupidity of an apocalyptic level. But no, no, I should have had more faith. I should have had more faith. See, back to me being the dumb dumb. I win. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. I'm, see? I'm glad we agree. <laughs> All right. Finally, on the same page. <laughs> okay. I don't have any listener mail for this episode, but if people in the audience, if you had some thoughts on this movie, some questions for us in general, something you'd like to see us cover, whatever the case may be, maybe we maybe we are peak cringe right now and you just want us to button it up about this movie, whatever the case may be, <laughs> you can drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, it'd be really sweet if you were like, to leave us a review or something, please. It's a great way to support the podcast. Not only does it make us feel good, it's actually like really good for us. So please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you're getting your pods, uh, including Spotify, where you can leave us a five-star review. Just yeah, saying. Rachel tends to rush through that part, but it does really help the podcast get out there. So if you, even if you can't join our Patreon, that's a great way to help us out. So yes, like Ariel said, I do, because I say, I've said it so many times for a decade, I do just rush through it, but it is truly one of the best ways that you can support us. Obviously, we would love it if you joined our Patreon financially. That's great, but not everybody wants to do that or can do that. And that's okay. We're never going to not make the show free or anything like that. But you could, for free, (laughs) leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and that would really, really be helpful to us. However, if you do want to spend some money, (laughs) we have a Patreon, uh, (laughs) patreon.com forward slash zombie girls. It has a ton of rad perks. For instance, all of our podcasts are extended for patrons. Like today, we're going to be talking about Women in Horror Month. We're going to kind of do a uh, postmortem, how we feel at the end of this one. We do a lot of fun bonus shows. I actually need to talk to you guys. I need to talk to you specifically about our next bonus episode that I'm planning for this episode. Awesome. It may it may involve a deck of cards. Oh no! Involve some accents. Oh no! no. (laughs) I'm now gonna start working on some accents. (laughs) Um, And uh, we recently did our second ever live special. We're gonna be doing a lot more of those. It was so much fun. (laughs) It was ridiculous. It was. I have not laughed that much in a long time. 
seriously. We did our, it was a ally, Battle of the Allies, where we had the zombie guys on to see which of them could earn the title of ultimate feminist ally. They were great and sports about it. <laughs> there was singing. There was dancing. <laughs> there sure was. There was beer, beer chugging. chugging. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of castrating looks at people who didn't know who Bikini Kill was. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was a fun, fun, fun show. And we hope to do a lot more of those. And any money that you give us goes directly back into the podcast. Trust me, it is not lining any pockets. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> like one it day, is... that's the dream. <laughs> right well, now, of course. it's just funding our ability to do more stuff for you guys. Right, right. And make it better and more regular and more creative and more ambitious. Yep. And it feeds our egos and then makes us... <laughs> then first we get an ego boost. And then the imposter syndrome kicks in. And then oh, my need to yeah. please kicks in. And then I'm like, okay, I got to take you to the next level. So really what you're investing in is the future <laughs> of more and better content and also me going bald. But like these are <laughs> sacrifices that I'm willing to make. You know how to put on a wig. You'll be fine. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the worst part of wearing wigs is your hair underneath it. So if I go bald... There you go. Problem I'd be solved. If I had to wear a wig, it would it'd be a mess because I would look in the mirror and be like, this looks great. And then I'd go outside and everyone would be like, Ariel, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yeah, I would. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be mean. <laughs> but. It's true. <laughs> we know you have wig blindness. Yep. You know. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway so those are lots of different ways you can support us you can also follow us on, like, like i said on our facebook as well as on instagram and twitter at zg podcasts plural we are a great follow you want to follow us mostly because of ariel because she her meme game is strong oh and yeah me and matilda you got it going yeah you, do. you i really do although i found some fun <laughs> ones i put in them you the... found some great ones yeah right i don't know what you're talking about you're hilarious <laughs> but anyways <laughs> Lots of fun stuff on there. Lots of ways to follow us. All that good stuff. All right. So that just leaves our plan for the next episode. I'm very excited. And I confirmed today. So it's definitely happening. We have some very special guests joining us for the next episode. Yes. Oh, this is exciting. Yes. I have had the pleasure of being on their podcast a couple of times. But for the first time ever, making their debut on the Zombie Girls Network is Daniel, Tabitha, and Simone of Black Mass Appeal which is an amazing podcast about modern Satanism. Awesome. They oh, are I'm so excited. Smarty pants to the nth degree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, sure it's are. a little intimidating. Uh -huh. Like I worked with one of I hired one of them years ago. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. With the exception of you, Ariel, <laughs> the, one of them is my favorite person that I ever hired oh, like that's so nice. like it's not even close i've mm -hmm. loved everybody they've all I mean, of my interns sure, sure, have been sure. precious to me truly i love <laughs> them and anything any letters of recommendation anything like that i was always happy to do but you know how you just get a favorite yeah of course yeah this one was my <laughs> <laughs> so anyways i'm delighted that they're going to be joining us and of course appropriately what else would we be reviewing but Satanic Panic directed by Chelsea Stardust? Awesome. I've never seen that. So that's so, exciting. Okay. okay. This is the first watch. I've seen it before, but I have never seen it with the context of actual Satanists explaining things to me. So very. <laughs> you do not want to miss this episode. It's yeah, going to be a, gonna be great. a lot of fun. 
All right. So here is the synopsis. Okay. Uh, it is a pizza delivery girl at the end of her financial rope has to fight for her life and her tips when her last order of the night turns out to be high society Satanists in need of a virgin sacrifice. So we're going to have to find out. Is that is that how modern Satanists do it? Oh, maybe. <laughs> Question Are we being we'll find lured out, I in? Actually, I oh, think God. we'll both be fine. <laughs> <laughs> See? Uh, advantage teenage hoe. <laughs> so anyways, they will be joining us. Black Mass Appeal, I would recommend if you haven't already subscribed to their pod so you can get to know them and see how freaking smart they are and funny and lovely people. Black Mass Appeal, check it out. I was on an episode where we reviewed The Exorcist. And I was on another episode where we reviewed The Devils and The Devil Rides Out. Ooh. Yeah. That one was... That move. The Devils is a wild ride if you've never seen it. I have never seen it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you kind of need to. Okay. it's a. I mean, here's the thing: is you love you and I both have a love of really transgressive. Oh wait, no. Should I have seen that movie? Okay, I just looked the, like, it up. I'm sorry, that's the one with the yes. nuns, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I nuns. have seen that. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> All right. So unless you're sticking around for the extended episode, I think that's it for us. Um, you want to take us out? Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our review of Master. If you haven't already, please go check out our interview with the director, Miriam Diallo. We're pretty proud of that one. And we will catch you back here next time for our guests to watch Satanic Panic. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to my co-host, Ariel, who is always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Messman Rucker. And our theme music is More Deadly by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Newell. You can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The theme Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode. So, more deadly after dark. More deadly after dark. <laughs> I get that ASMR in. Maybe yep. that'll get people to review us on iTunes <laughs> if we have an ASMR section. <laughs> Would that work? Oh, <laughs> Let God. me know in the co- like. Send me a message. You want ASMR? Well, then you'll review us on iTunes. I mean, Let we'll me do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not about. I will chop up some soap. I will talk about things at a low volume. I'm not eating into the mic, though. I won't do it. I have my limits. (laughs) (laughs) So how are things over there? Anything wacky happening upstairs or is all quiet on the psycho front? I believe he's not home because I haven't heard anything in hours. So, Mm. yeah. And you would know. I would know. He's a very present neighbor. I wonder if they, if like he realizes how low privacy he has. Randy, Randy, sorry, Randy's sending me like showing me videos and distracting me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my art. (laughs) Do your art. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if it's worth telling him. Like, I remember your last neighbor. You did like a cookie message delivery. I did. Yeah. I wonder if he would have more luck with this. (laughs) Like, hey, I can hear your. I assume your name is Oh Baby. So I'm just gonna say, dear Oh Baby. (laughs) <laughs> like you're loud as fuck and when you fuck <laughs> <Also>. right, right. <laughs>
I should not be doing this now. This isn't the five minutes that goes out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is not the behind the paywall. What is wrong with me? Why do I always have to I go? I always forget that we do that. <laughs> That's probably for the past. That's how we get that good content. Right, right. <laughs> Let my guard down. Say some stupid shit. <laughs> and I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Yoinky tricky. No, I would never. Uh, besides, you also edit it, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. You have control. Wait, does that mean that your tremendous boob comment went out to everybody? Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm hoisted on my own petard. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I am. I mean, it's only fair, right? Yes. Can't, like, you know, it's got to be. We, we're all about, you know, equality here. Yeah. There's got to be equity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. When am I going to get off the shame spiral? When does it happen? Like, Dude, is, I don't can I know. take a supplement? Do I need more sleep? No. Like, do you ever have that moment where you're in the shower and your like guard is down and it just like hits yes. you in the face and all yes. you want to do is like scrub yes. your skin off? Yes. It happens when like I accidentally pick a podcast that is shorter Ugh. than the amount of time that I'm gonna be in yes, the shower. So then I'm alone with my thoughts for three seconds and then like <laughs> it's 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 like I don't even know, like they're just waiting at the windows and the minute Ugh. they just come buzz those thoughts just come busting in. Sometimes the worst the like that sucks, but the worst is when they happen, like when you're trying to fall asleep oh, and you get yeah. just asleep enough. You're like not fully asleep yet, uh-huh. but just enough that your guard is down and like in pops like and you're like almost dreaming. So it's like a visual a moment of shame. Oh, that's the worst. It's the worst. And you can't get it out of your head long enough to fall back asleep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's why I turn on the TV. Yep. <laughs> like must have input. And I know sometimes <laughs> I'll like put on a podcast when I'm going like what, like if I'm taking a nap or something. Sometimes I don't because I'm like, I'm feeling good about myself. Other times where like maybe a recent thing has happened where I felt shame. I know there I can never be alone with my thoughts in that moment. Yep. Because they're waiting. Always uh-huh. waiting. <sighs> yeah. It's like it it's... follows, but shame. Uh... <laughs> oh god <laughs> and it's so frequent yeah so frequent and i'm always make doing new things like right, it's not even that it's word. just the one it's like there's definitely some highlights that come back <laughs> yeah, that are that highlight reel yeah, yeah that are like a million years old uh-huh but there's always something fresh yeah there's sometimes even new. when i say something or do something that i know is going to like that i feel bad about in the moment and then my instant thought is not just, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that. But also, oh, God, I'm going to have to live with this for months This is with now. me forever now. <laughs> yeah. This is a part exactly. of me now. Yeah. Add this to my shame, my quilt yes. of shame. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you remember when you were young enough that you felt emotions other than shame and anxiety? <sighs> a long time, Rach. <laughs> like, when you're young and people are like, oh, you're adolescent, you're just feeling all these feelings, but you've never been anything else. So you're just like, this is what life is like. What they actually aren't telling you is like these motions that you have now are going to go away and you're just going to get two other ones. And they're <laughs> called shame ones. and anxiety. And yeah. you'll vacillate between the two. Like there's a spectrum, but you'll always be between one or the other one. <laughs> I know. I was talking to a close friend of mine a few weeks ago who does not suffer from anxiety at all. Really? What? Yeah. What a freak. Right? And you're... <laughs> <laughs> The female of the sea, she sees more deadly.